Like you were just saying how modern is kind of down and stuff. I'm just like, personally, I don't think it's like, like it's maybe like less traction, like a little bit. But I still think that like, like I understand Game Night stopped it, but Game Night doesn't, to me, isn't a store that like promotes that well, kind of gameplay. And I think their bread and butter is not magic. Yeah, I think like, it I is. Think it's it, I, I think it's. Like, I think it's more magic than it's ever been. But yeah. I still don't think the majority is magic. Yeah, it's just like I don't think that store really shows. Yeah, I think it's more that the uh, the the price of modern staples is down across the board, and the same thing is true for legacy and vintage. Yeah, uh, as which in a way is a good thing, because then if you want to play. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. Yeah. They're not they're not so down that our collections are worthless. No, yeah. totally. <laughs> no, but they have lost some value. Absolutely, yeah, yeah of yeah. course. But it, it's an ebb and flow, right? Yeah, it's always going to be an ebb and flow. That's right. Yeah. And speaking of which, you're listening to Turn One Soul Ring. I'm Kevin. I'm Eric. And today on the show, we have guest host Rylan joining us. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Nice. Thanks for being here, buddy. Always fun. And we have Rylan on the show today to talk about MTG Finance. So if our uh, editor keeps the preamble in, at the beginning, then, you know, the, the speaking of which is, is going to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> but this is definitely something that Eric and I pepper into the show throughout the episodes that we've done. So it shouldn't be a surprise that we're devoting an entire episode to this. Um this topic, but before we get to that, let's cover uh, a few things uh, new or noteworthy in the world of magic. Oh, yeah. So, first up, we have the unsanctioned product that was spoiled probably about two weeks ago at this point. And is that the full spoiler? That's the full spoiler. Yeah. They, it's, they spoiled the whole thing. And what we're getting is, uh, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to getting a full-on um, booster box booster pack draftable set this time what they're doing is it's five monocolor decks in a box set uh for 39.99 uh it's five 30 card monocolor decks and what you do is you get together with a buddy and you take two of the 30 card decks shuffle them together and then play so one deck is always going to be sitting there in the box not being used but throughout the course of using this product you can use all, you you can have all five uh, all 10 color combinations, two, co- two color color combinations. And that's what you're getting. Uh, I don't know. I, I would assume that each deck has uh, all the lands of that, like all the full art uh, unsanctioned lands. Um, but I, I really don't know. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's what you're getting. And it's, and it's more like a board game than a traditional magic product yeah like we've seen wizards like do stuff like this a game night because they have the game night product which is just five decks and it's a multiplayer format with like 60 card constructed stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah i've yet to play one of these uh one of these like box set games yet like like the nickel bolus one right arch enemy arch enemy yeah i've yet to play one of these or like the other ones they have made Mm -hmm. there was a nixlon one Right, yeah. uh, Explorer's Vixelon yes. is yeah. what it was called. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got a, um, a Time Warp reprint. That, that set had some okay reprints. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I haven't... Uh, I played Arch Enemy back in the day, but I haven't played any of the more recent ones, but I think it's a pretty good price for what you're getting. I mean, I think 
the price will sort of dictate the value of the lands. And obviously we're not getting any foil lands, which was a big get for unstable. Yeah. Uh, in this, what was that? That was like December of 2017, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> if we sound a little distracted, there's a kitty on the table. There's a cat roaming Just like around. roaming around, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that comes out on Leap Day of 2020, so February 29th. So, you know, check it out. I've I've seen prices lower than $39.99. I've seen prices higher. So who knows what we're going to get. Cards on the set look pretty fun. So if you are actually interested in doing, you know, fun on-set thing, it looks like it will be a fun time. Yeah, and there's a lot yeah. of, there's and there's uh, quite a few cool reprints from past on-sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seems like a fun product. And, you know, like a booster draft would have been fun, but this is a little more accessible. a little bit accessible yeah. yeah which is sort of seems like the route they're taking because it's like if you don't really like play magic and go and draft and stuff like just going into an unset and drafting i think you're still behind other people that regularly play magic because it's oh of course it's a different kind of format to get into so and a and a format that requires more practice yeah than than, than i would say most other formats That's like the limited format requires the most practice yeah, because you have to like know the cards in the current set you're playing compared mm-hmm. to, I have the 60-card deck that I just play every single week, so you're going to be playing those same cards all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You just net deck it. Yeah. Well, and you're constantly evaluating cards. Like, exactly. You're evaluating what you're getting, what's the best, best for your deck. That's why we should yeah. only do cube. We should only play Ryland's uh, Legacy Cube, because yeah. it would make us better. <laughs> yeah, that, that was why it was built, so yeah. we definitely yeah. need to do that again. <laughs> it's like going to the gym, but for magic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next thing, this is, well, it's probably going to be old news by the time this episode airs, but uh, Wizards announced today that uh, they are going to announce, in a week, five more secret layer drops. So yeah, this is an announcement for an announcement. Right. <laughs> so that's going to be a that's going to be 13. They did 7 and then they did the rats and then 5 more. So that's going to be 13 secret layers inside uh 60 days, which is kind of crazy wow. when you think about it. So if they if they keep that going, then well it will be a little bit Oh yeah, cuz it was like the first week of December. Wasn't it uh yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like right after American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's about, hmm, yeah, that's about 60 days. Um, it's so, definitely a lot. They're like, hey, check out this. It's a wizard's thing, but check out this new thing. That's what they and always like, do, though. They yeah. always they see something that works, and they just mash it until they ruin it. They have good ideas, but when they, when they have a good idea and it works, they oversaturate. Yeah, uh, you know we saw that with lottery cards. Um, we saw that with, I guess, like the Mythic Edition. I don't think they're doing that anymore. No, that's kind of been taken over by Mythic the one way, and now we have the collector boosters. And that's going to disappear too, I think, in the next few sets, if because the EV of Theros booster standard booster boxes is not doing very well, and I think that is a direct result of the collector's boosters. Yeah. I haven't uh, haven't heard about that, but uh, but yeah, it's definitely a lot of product fatigue. I would say, like, it's hard to keep up with all these products. What's in each pack, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, <clears throat> talking about the uh, secret layers, this is a little bit different with them doing that because it is like a people order, and that's how many they make. 
mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than like pumping out a bunch of booster boxes for a set or something like that. But they do print to order on booster boxes, although standard booster boxes, because they do do reprints. But with the collector's boosters, as far as I know, with uh, Eldraine and Theros Beyond Death, it is this is what we're printing and this That's is it. what we're selling, and there's no restock. No limited print run, yeah. Yeah. The print run is still high. Don't, yeah. don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and with the videos I've seen for box openings, the pull rate on Mythics is crazy. Yeah, and I've it, been watching Alpha Investments do yeah. collector booster box opens. And so there's 12 packs in a box. He usually opens two boxes in a, in a video, which is 24 packs. And he's getting between 17 to 20 Mythics. Huh, wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> of like varying degrees of foil and showcase and, oh, all that kind of and full art. And, and yeah. it's like some packs won't have a mythic in them, but sometimes a pack has like three mythics. Well, it makes you wonder how that's going to affect the price of like, because the mythic cards usually have the lowest supply, right? Right, yes, so of course. This is just going to water down or increase the supply and water yeah. down the price of these mythics. For yep. sure. Yeah. I was, um, say, I was even just checking before, Uro Canadian is sitting at about 40 bucks. I think. Uh, Heliod was at like 25 bucks, and those are the kind of the two. I'm surprised there's still that. Yeah, Uro, I think, is really High. sought after for standard and pioneer. Yeah, Uro is not a good yeah. card. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, it's green and blue. What do we have in Eldrin? I'm gonna splash it's blue. Like... I'm gonna splash blue into my mono green deck. <laughs> well, imagine, it's just that good. Let's just, let's just put this on the table. I, I I heard this too, but imagine if Oko was still in the format. Like they were designing these cards, thinking that Oko would be in the standard. format. Thinking that Oko with wasn't Oko too and, powerful to ban. With with Oko with what spot time and Euro, like it's like that just seems real dumb. Yeah, <laughs> seems like quite the standard. Yeah, <laughs> magic. Uh, so before we get to the main topic, I just, uh, we just want to shout out our January Instagram giveaway. It was actually a friend of ours, uh, Rob. Um, he won the, uh, what was it? Three packs of Theros Beyond Death and a couple of custom proxies. Yeah. Um, but he's actually sort of the, uh, the catalyst for how at least I met you guys because he hosted that uh, Thursday Night Magic that we always do go to. That's, yeah. that's how we met. Yeah. That's how we met. I think maybe you and I, Eric, we met at like a, an actual event at like Fusion, like playing against each other, even if it was just like modern or something. Because I feel like when we saw each other at Ryan's, we already... I was like, I think I've seen you around. Yeah. Um, but I definitely met Rylan, you there at yeah. at, uh, at Ryan and Eric's. Um, or Ryan and... Rob. Rob's. Double. There's a lot of R's. Yes. Too many. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, so that yeah, that's kind of fun. It's you know, it's like local boy makes good, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he didn't have any arcane signets in his collection, so he was pretty thrilled about that. And uh, yeah, just uh, if you uh, like giveaways, check out our February giveaway on Instagram at Terminal and Soul Ring the podcast. You can win some cards. Check it out. We're giving away the uh, Allied signets. Yeah. Foil proxies. Full they art. Look, they look real nice. They they are very nice. They're even they're even nicer. In person. (laughs) So uh, let's get to the main topic of the show. We're talking MTG finance. So first of all, what makes a card valuable in Magic? So I think that two things make a card valuable. The first is its playability in various formats, mainly standard. And the second is its availability or its rarity. Right? Would you guys agree on that? 
Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, I would say that it comes down to basically the the law of supply and demand. So sure. the higher the demand, the higher the value of the card is going to be. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, as the playability. So if playability is really good and how many formats it penetrates, you know, if you go from standard all the way back to legacy like Oko did, mm-hmm. that's why you see these high values of like $70, $80 for standard card. Right, right. Because everybody playing all these other formats are interested in getting that card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we see a card like uh, Karn the Great Creator, which didn't have a lot of standard playability, but it had playability in modern and uh, legacy and vintage Yeah. Uh, before it was restricted. And that card was sitting at around twenty dollars, and now it's down to five after it was restricted in vintage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the demand decreases and the price goes down with it. So mm-hmm. yeah, and the and the supply increases because people will just flip those cards because they don't need them. Well, exactly. They don't want to keep them in their collection, right? Yeah. And then the store has to sit on them, so then they want to get rid of them, so then they lower the price. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, generally when you're buying cards, that's one thing you want to keep an eye out for for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't have to worry about it now. There's like these older cards from earlier sets that don't have a very large print run. Is also something we very old get to very old sets. We're gonna get to that. But <laughs> why don't Rylan? Why don't you explain what MTG Finance is to us? Uh, well, I believe that every card is a stock, and its value will fluctuate based primarily on supply and demand like we were just talking about Mm -hmm. so and my idea is to well this is just common knowledge i would say at this point for anyone who's in the mtg finance but like we mentioned before if a card goes back into like especially commander any older formats that's when you start to see the supply increase quite a bit and uh yeah you want these uh multi-format all-stars as they call them Mm mm-hmm yeah, exactly. Like Walking Ballista, I would say, is a, is a good example. Or uh, yeah. Oko. Yeah, cards that are ubiquitous um, across multiple formats. Yeah. Even as almost as soon as they're uh, spoiled yeah. in a standard set. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the stand, like standard has a, good impa- a pretty good impact on the price of a card. So mm-hmm. a lot of cards will just lose all their value once they rotate out of standard. Absolutely. But it, unless you... Or if it, the card's valued in other formats, then that's when you'll see it hold its value or even increase in value. Mm-hmm. Because once it rotates out of standard, people will dump the cards like we were talking about. Standard and, players. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Standard players are going to dump their cards. The uh, stores are going to want to clear them out. And then eventually the price is going to decrease on them. And then eventually it'll slowly start to come back up. Yeah. If it's played. Usually, because yeah. like, we'll see those cards that had a high value. They're probably still good in some regard. They're just not sought after again right after standard yeah Yeah. right right like check out liliana the last hope liliana last hope is a good example yeah that card was crazy pricey in standard rotated out was kind of 15 20 bucks canadian and now it's back up to 70 yeah thanks pioneer yeah (laughs) yeah no it was it was valuable before that also like modern like three mana planeswalkers that do good things are just good cards well, that's a big thing too. Pioneer added a lot more demand for a lot of these cards too that are in from the last. Well, I think Pioneer was back what ten years, I think, roughly. RTR. Um, I don't know how far back RTR was. Oh, uh, is it? It's going from like core set fifteen. I think is the last core set that's in there, or is it? Is it fourteen? Ugh. Did they do a core set fourteen? 
Yeah, I guess so. They did like they did like 14, 13, 12, 11. Yeah, there and it was the it was the set symbols with the M. Yeah, so like Return to Ravnica and then like M14 and then yeah. It was 2012 is what this is what the MDG wiki says. So almost 10 years. Yeah. Yes. So 8 years of cards. But uh the last couple years of cards have been more pushed, I would say. In terms of power level? Per, yeah, sorry, yes. In yeah. terms of power level, yeah. <laughs> so for anybody that doesn't know, Pioneer is like a um, diet modern. I think that's how I've heard it referred to as. Sure. Yeah. And like we said, like cards can only be... Uh, you can only use cards from Return to Ravnica to the most recent standard sets, and you can only use standard cards. So a set that, like, Modern Horizons... You doesn't can't, count. You can't use. Yeah. yeah. It's not like <clears throat> part of the main sets. Yeah, and it took a ton of cards that were previously probably only being propped up um, by formats like Commander and sort of skyrocketed their values like Mana Confluence. Like, that card was almost... Like, when it spiked, it was at almost $30. Or like, Oof. Nykthos, right? Like, that was like, Nyk- a, that was like a $10, a $10 card. card. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of... There were several cards from those various sets that had playability in formats other than Commander, and they were valuable, and Pioneer made them even more valuable, right? And then there's certain cards, like, take, for example, Wild Slash. It was, like, a 25-cent card. Now it's, like, four or five bucks. I think it's up to seven or eight now, actually. Is that an uncommon? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's a red for deal two damage. Yeah, so guys, if you have those sitting in your bulk bins at home, you can... Uh, go through your bulk. Yeah, go through your bulk. Now is a good time. Now is yeah. definitely a good this time. This is the golden age of bulk. Yeah. This is like back when Popper got popular. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Commander definitely popularized a lot of cards that would have otherwise been bulk. Uh, I think Commander is probably the best thing for game stores trying to sell singles because uh, it puts value in a lot of cards that would never see play in Modern or Legacy or any other format. Yeah. Yeah, and... You know, like, speaking of game stores, Pioneer has actually been really good for game stores selling singles. Totally. Because it takes their inventory and increases the value of it mm-hmm. and, and also increases the demand because people want those cards, right? Yeah. Yep. So Pioneer has also been really good for game stores because then also because Wizards is supporting it, uh, game stores can run tournaments and stuff for it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I would say that that's, you know, it's good for game stores, but it's kind of frustrating for me as a player because it does take cards that were previously not very valuable or worse, cards that were valuable and playable in Commander and makes them even more expensive. Well, exactly. And that's one of the reasons or one of the things I want to talk about uh, with you guys today on the podcast about how like Pioneer especially has put a lot of stress on some of the newer cards that are coming into the format. Um, because standard already inflates the prices of cards more than they, like, I would say, I think it's safe to say that most cards in standard, while they're in standard, that's the most expensive they will ever be. That's a good point. But now with Pioneer, like, and Pioneer will have this effect, I think, on the format for probably a few more years yet, but eventually the effect, well, I think it's a diminishing return. As the years go on, pretty much every set that comes out, the effect will fade a little bit because as the part card pool grows, the effect of these new cards coming in, they're not going to be as powerful as some of the older cards coming or the older cards that already exist, say like Uro and some of these things we already have. 
Yeah, and it's probably it was probably a similar effect back in 2011 when they got rid of the extended format and created modern. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of frustrating because, like, for example, Brazen Bar, where you want to play that in modern, well, now you have to pay basically twice the price to play it at this time while it's in standard because of Pioneer, because the demand. And then Pioneer is, kind of has to deal with the same thing, but that also is part of them printing such powerful cards that every format wants to play since right. they're printed. Exactly. Yeah, I, like, I agree with your earlier point that they have been print. They have been pushing that more in the last couple of sets. Yeah. These, these these cards that are ubiquitous in multiple formats. Yeah. yeah, we kind of talked about, you know, the value of cards and and the and printing cards into standard and how the value is affected by Pioneer, especially. But let's kind of talk about reprints and how that affects. I think unless a card is on the reserve list. You, it's fair to assume that it will be reprinted at some point in the future. Oh, yes. Yeah, and Wizards, for example, like the fetch lines, I think, they, I think they're keeping those in their back pocket because they know that there's always equity there for them. They can put this in something. They can put it in pretty much anything, and it'll sell. It'll sell like hotcakes because everyone will want to get those fetch lines. Yeah, which is really interesting that they banned the fetch lands immediately in Pioneer when they announced the format back in October of 2019. There's a good reason for that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I don't cause disagree. Because it, it was only five, so it's only half the color. Absolutely. Mana base. Yeah, so. yep. and that would have colored the entire meta. Yeah, yep. yeah. which is what happened with the whole Frontier format that like some game store had That's created. Right. Um, it was just like those color pairings were more powerful because you had the fetch lands to get better mana out. So mm-hmm. it was yep. really smart of them to like ban that right off the bat and just have Pioneer, this is the format, no fetch lands. Yeah, and the mana bases are pretty equal. The only thing I think that is lopsided that really matters is the uh, fast lands. Yep. The, uh... Also the pain lands. We only have enemy pain lands. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't see a lot of people playing the pain lands, though. It's basically fast or, well, I guess if you're I think actually fast lands, you're probably Shiv and Reef lands. has climbed a bit in price. And you have Maya Coast. If, like, the apocalypse printings have, have gotten pretty pricey. Yeah. But, like, they, that's the thing about the pain lands and the fast lands. Like, they can reprint those anytime. Yeah. And the allied uh, fast lands need a reprinting because they haven't been reprinted yeah. since... 2011 I think yeah, that's like that, I think that's that when scars came out is way up there. yeah yeah that's like the only printing of those cards so yeah that was yeah. the no yeah. they've only each each set has only been printed yeah, uh, once and very far apart yeah. if you're not buying reserve list cards I, I don't think you're really investing in magic like you know you are but it's I think reserve list cards are more of a sure thing yeah, like if you're strictly using magic as a, like a stock or like investment, mm-hmm. you'd be looking at those like old like uh, reserveless cards and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Or but like sealed product, like sealed. Yeah, if you want to invest yes, in the yes. long term. But uh, you could still kind of play a market in the sense that as you open standard cards, like for myself personally, I don't play standard. So I will tend to sell some of the high value standard cards that I open and just use that to put into modern cards, modern me, staples that I would like. Yeah, me too. Or I'll I'll flip them for commander cards that I need. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So because uh, they're overvalued. Yeah, exactly. So you sell these standard cards and you so you you're keeping your equity that you've earned there basically, or that well not earned but you've acquired, and then now you put that into something that will hold its value for a longer time or potentially increase in value. And then if you don't need that card eventually, you can maybe sell it at a higher price and put it somewhere else. So. And if you do need it later, you can always um, buy it 
you know, six weeks or a month before standard rotation. Yep. Uh, when cards are usually at their cheapest, assuming they're not playable in other formats. And, uh, you know, that's like Christmas for enfranchised commander players like me yeah, and, totally. and our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I would say even if a card is played in older formats, uh, at standard rotation, a lot of players will start to dump their cards like a lot of standard players. So mm-hmm. the price will dip a little bit. Absolutely, so yeah, no matter what. A little bit of a mm-hmm. yeah. discount. So. Even, even Teferi Hero of Dominaria dipped, yeah, he dipped to about well. $20 yeah. at rotation. That's $20 Canadian, folks. In terms of reprints, I think that... Like, Wizards could do more reprints. And I don't mean in standard sets, because they've obviously expressed interest in reprinting cards in specialty sets for s- certain formats, like Modern Horizons, when we have the upcoming Commander Masters, is it yeah. called? almost said Commander Horizons. Uh, it might and be Commander Masters, but I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think it's Commander Legends is hey, what it is. Go. There yes. it is. We got it. We got there. Um... <laughs> So products like that are great for reprints, uh, but I also think better reprints in Commander pre-con decks and uh, just pre-con products in general. You know, like if you look at a, a product like Pokemon, they put good standard playable cards into their theme decks. And so I think something like that you know, I, I, and maybe if Pokemon was a little bit more popular, they wouldn't do that because, you know, there's the argument for not doing that with Commander products specifically because then people will gouge the products, Because right? the other thing that Pokemon does is they have their World Championships and the top two decks, they actually make a product that's World Championship and they print those decks as a box you can buy for like 20 or 25 bucks. Mm, wow. And the theme decks are like, 12 bucks. Yeah, so it's like... Yeah. That's something you definitely don't see in Magic. It's like a modern tournament, and they're like, oh, we're printing Jund. Like, that's... <laughs> that's not something that would happen. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, that would probably... Like, but there's a middle are, ground. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. where, like, what are the value of these Pokemon cards, like, once they get printed into Oblivion? Probably, I would say, next to nothing, right? I don't, I don't know the value of Pokemon cards. I really don't know days. the value of Pokemon yeah, cards. So we yeah, so uh... Well, yeah. No, I've just <laughs> been watching... I've just been watching primetime Pokemon. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you recently retired from YouTube, as you all know. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, we, you know, you don't... Staying on the topic of reprints, like, we don't want our valuable cards to become worthless because there is, you know, there's non-intrinsic value in getting a pack of cards and wondering what's going to be in it and opening that pack and, you know, pulling that crazy valuable card and not only if you get like a battle bond pack right and then you get um doubling season yeah yeah you're like ooh, that's like a big excitement because that card is like 60 bucks yeah it's like i can put this in so many places yeah so like that that feels really good but you know i think i just think it would be a little bit better you know, if we if, if they started putting those not not specifically doubling season, but just better reprints in pre-constructed products, and I think there is a, a a point where customers are happy, but uh, people that are selling the products, companies that are selling the products, aren't gouging players or people that want to buy the product. They're not hoarding the product, right? I'm not saying putting all the all the fetch lands in a commander product 
but you know, putting better reprints in than like lightning greaves. Yeah. You know? Or it's like when they were making the mana bases for those new commander decks, there was like one good land. I would rather have and in, in that scenario, I would rather have pain lands than the um Enter Battlefield tag. Allied battle lands, like Battle for Zendikar lands. Yeah. Is what they had. Because Painlands don't enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah. They don't have the land type, so you can't search for them, but... And it's like, those cards aren't very valuable. Like, why don't you just throw them in the commander products? Yeah, and make the commander products all foil. What's the problem? God, they're printing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my deck all curled. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get... No, it's they like... wrap it in plastic. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I think, I think you need to have cards that... I think you, they, every format needs to have a few cards that are that are valuable to... Just to kind of be like the backbone, you know? Like, if everything was devalued, like, no one would really... It wouldn't be a collector game anymore. Like, I think that's what makes it a collectible game, right? Because you want to have something that, that's somewhat hard to get, but not impossible to get, you know? Cause well, it's a, it's a trading card game, not a, not a collectible card game. It's a TCG, not a CCG. Yeah, trading card like, game, I guess. I'm yeah. just being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... no. still trade these days. And I, no, and I totally agree with you that it's... The, 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 that is the thing that has allowed, a, in a big part, magic to exist and thrive for a quarter of a century, is this whole economy that they've created with the cards. Yeah. Like, with, without it, like, you know, the, the age that we are, we might never have even had the opportunity to play magic, right? Because it might not have existed. It might not have existed. If they had done, like, Chronicles 2.0, the game might have died. Uh, we could get onto a lot of points where the game could have died, but uh, and the game is always almost dying according to Magic players. So yeah. that's a whole other topic. Not me. No, I'm always like, yeah, it's doing great. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, staying on the topic of reprints, I'd like to talk about uh, the secret layer drops and the upcoming mystery boosters set. That's what it's called. The right? mystery boosters that I'm very curious about. We still. Uh, I mean, I'm a little bit behind on this, but we still don't know much about it, right? We just know that uh, it's coming in the spring, I believe. I think the entire set has been fully spoiled. The oh, only thing it? that hasn't been spoiled is the 100 and something foil, which is going to be the slot. There's a foil in each pack, and there's 100 plus cards that could be in that slot. Hmm. And that those cards are not in the main set. Okay. And none of the main set cards will be in that foil slot. Interesting. Because I heard there was something about where people don't know what some of the cards are that are going to be in this. Yeah, you can already pre-order, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can pre-order a ton of the cards on, like, Card Kingdom, hmm. the, 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 the collector's booster cards. But something that's kind of interesting about Secret Layer and Mystery Boosters is that they aren't really reprints in the sense that they are going to reduce the value of the single cards that are being reprinted and for secret layer wizards is basically selling products at around or slightly less than the price of single cards that that they would cost in the open market so cards are being injected into the market but they aren't reducing the cost of the singles already in the market and the mystery boosters are having the same kind of effect. And I think it's because the set is over a thousand cards. So the chances of you pulling a mythic or a good rare like Bloom Tender are greatly reduced. And also, I don't know, 
I doubt that the packs are going to be four to five dollars. I think they'll probably be more closer expensive. To, closer to a master set where it's like, 50, like 10, ten to fifteen. 15. So I decided to just pop on a Card Kingdom, and they actually have the sealed mystery booster stuff. What do you tell? Think a single pack is? Uh, I think it's like ten, ten dollars. Canadian, yeah, fifteen. 10, 15 Canadian. 30. Oh. U.S. Ouch. Convention edition, so whatever that means. Oh, well, convention Mystery edition has the test cards. Edition. The oh. regular set doesn't have the test card. The regular set where the test so card would be has the, the foil. Test card ones. Yeah. See, and this is where we talk about the product fatigue and who knows what's in what anymore. Yeah. Well, you can just check, though, if you want to know can, what's in you what. You can Google it, but yeah. there's just so many products where you constantly have to keep keep on top of their website to keep up with all this stuff. Well, like, for example, with, like, Theros, there are cards you can only get inside of the theme boosters. Right. Why? To sell them, I guess. <laughs> like. No, I know. It's, it's, it's silly. Going back to Secret Layers, something that a lot of content creators have talked about since they were announced is how the local game store is being cut out of the mix with these types of products. And people said the same thing when the Mythic Edition products were announced is that game stores were being cut out and, and people that only have access to game stores can't buy the product. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I sympathize. And I think that's a valid point. But I also think that history has shown that some local game stores will increase the price on a product from its MSR per, uh, MSRP even before Wizards stopped using MSRP. So I think... If secret layers were available at game stores, the what the first one was like twenty nine ninety nine, and then we had some thirty nine ninety nine. I think we would have seen increased prices because even the last from the vault, what's from the vault? It's like thirty nine ninety nine. I think that's the stock. That was always the stock price of from the vault when they even well, thirty nine ninety nine US though. Yeah. Yeah. But even even for for. Um, from the Vault Transform, which was not a well-received product, you know, at our look at the local game stores in town, it was not thirty-nine ninety-nine, whatever the exchange rate would have been. Yeah, it was an inflated price. It was. So you know, my point is, is that by selling these products directly to customers, wizards can keep the price where they want it to be, regardless of what the price is. It feels good as a customer to purchase something for the price it was advertised to be. You're asking a lot right there, I would say. Yeah. To be able to purchase it for what the manufacturer says it's worth. But that's what that's yeah. supposed to dictate. Like that is how that's supposed to work. But also these when um, it first comes out. These products were meant to be something for the game stores to make a bit of money off of I've I've heard so yeah, but then why even say like it's going to be this price, right? It's just like it's, true. it's just not. A, it's I, I just don't think it's good. I just don't think it's good practice. Yeah, yeah. When Wizards is like, hey, this product's thirty nine ninety nine. The game stores are like, it's sixty nine ninety nine. You're like, what's happening here? And you know, and you know, I'm someone that goes to the game store. I try to go at least once a week. You know, I go down and play Commander, and I, I, you know, I, I, I spend money, but. You know, there's also a lot of value in not having to leave your residence to get your product, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, we have one game store in the city that does that. But I think if that game store sold Secret Lair, it wouldn't be for the 
the price because like I know that that game store when they've had from the vault or well at least from the vault specifically the last product or commander decks it's an inflated price if you go to like card kingdom when the set gets the commander set gets released you can buy each one of those decks for the same flat rate that's not the same thing that happens when you go to a game store in this city. I can only talk it, about this city. It actually is not because they do adjust the prices right away. Yeah. It may not be a big thing. It's like this deck's 50 while this deck is 60, right? You'll see stuff like that. And you're like, it's an, have... It, it, no, it's, it may not be a big thing, but it's enough it, to get it's people. It's, it's enough to get someone like me to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to go and buy it online. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, you're inflating at that extra 10 bucks where it's not supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll just pre-order the box yeah. set. But another thing about these uh, secret layer products is that I think at the end of the day, too, they are a different product. So they're not really going to affect the price of, for example, Bitter Blossom. Like, that didn't affect the price of Bitter Blossom. No, because they sold it at the price of a... Slightly under the price of just buying a single Bitter Blossom yeah. on the open market. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, though, but it, like that's it's a different art. Like It's not like they sold the exact same art from Lorwyn. So... This is like a different, it's a different thing all in and of itself, you know? So people who want promos are going to want this card. People who want still to have the regular card are just going to buy the regular card from the game store still. It's yeah, awesome. but, but people that, even people that don't, you know, go out of their way to get promos, if they can get this brand new single card and a bunch of tokens for roughly the same price... You know, it's not out of the question for them to just buy that product instead. No, that's so their argument. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about when I say that the, the like the secret layer product and the mystery booster set aren't really going to affect the the price of single cards. They're not going to lower the price because uh, going back to Bloom Tender, which I mentioned earlier, uh, Bloom Tender's like almost up to sixty bucks USD. Uh, seventy. Yeah, and it's and it's in wow. the mystery booster set. Yeah. So if yeah. anything, it's getting more exposure. Yeah. People are like, oh, I didn't even know about this card. It's great. And it's like you're right. It is great. So, <laughs> so on that note, like I did go to Card Kingdom here. I'm looking at the mystery boosters. So, uh, I did sixty searches, and there's about thirty pages of cards. So that's about like eighteen hundred cards you can buy that are mystery booster. That sounds right. Yeah. Sounds wow. a little high, but close enough. Yeah, I, I heard it was around a thousand cards that were in this set. Yeah, it's like a thousand and change, I think. But it might be more. Who knows? Who knows what they're doing? That's a that would be a pretty interesting draft, though. Like almost every pack is completely different. It's kind of. Cool. I think so too. Like I think that's really the appeal of it for me is the draft format. You know, I'm not yeah. so I don't I don't love the uh, well, I, and I don't think that the thirty dollar price tag. I don't think that's going to be the price tag because that's convention packs. I think the regular set packs are going to be they will be less more reasonable. And, and it's it, like when the set finally launches, are these card prices maybe going to dip? Of course, because these are pre order prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing too is that's always disappointing. I find about these master sets and some of these more limited print run sets that we get that are meant to be reprint sets, but they're meant to be drafted, and one of the disappointing parts is that they don't. They're since they're these packs are like fifteen dollars each sometimes. So then the store is charging you like forty five dollars to do a draft or forty dollars sometimes to do a draft. You know, it's so uh, nice. Not a lot of people are gonna be coming out every weekend to do these drafts. So you only get to do it for one weekend. Maybe you get to do a few more on MTGO, but 
Mm-hmm. Like it's just disappointing that they intend these to be drafted, but since the cards are so valuable, you don't really get to draft it very much. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Yeah, that and is really good because I think so let's take Ultimate Masters for example. Diffusion do drafts like two weekends. Yeah, usually, yeah, usually get two weekends. Yeah, and then depending on the set, you might get another one maybe a couple months down the road, but that's very unlikely. Yeah, and but, it is because it was pricey. Like when we when we went and did it, it was like fifty bucks. Yeah. To do a draft. Yeah. 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 And, like, the Modern Horizons was kind of the same thing. They did the drafts. And that and that's supposed to be more of a, a higher print run set. And they still only did drafts for two weekends. Yeah. What was that? How much did it cost to draft that set? And that was $30. That was 30 bucks Because it was $10 a pack. Yeah. Right. Hmm. That was a fun set to draft, though, because it was basically, like, Time Spiral or what... Yeah. Time Spiral was, was like. So. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was like 44 different mechanics. Yeah, yeah. In the set. Something like, like that. Boy. Yeah. Well, we were doing the draft. We're like, has anyone not drafted before? I was like, good, because if you hadn't, you'd, <laughs> you'd not <laughs> you're, do well. You're not going to be doing good. <clears throat> so uh, let's, uh, you know, we talked about reprints. We talked about Pioneer. Let's talk about when the best time to buy into cards are uh, i would say like one of the best times to buy in is uh like if you're looking for standard cards close to rotation i usually wait uh like a basically up till rotation like once rotation happens that's when i'll start to buy or maybe a little after rotation happens so when you'll start to see the prices come down quite a bit mm-hmm. um and then also you just have to kind of watch like uh cards are going to ebb and flow based on how much they're played so when that's when the deck is the top deck in the format like the Urza deck, that's when you see all the cards at Urza spike up. Right. So uh, if a card gets banned out of it, people sometimes jump ship. And for example, right now, I bet you some of those pieces have dipped quite a bit. Modern on a whole is kind of down in card value, I would say right now because of Pioneer. Yeah. People have been selling out. So things like Liliana the Veil, which were $125 before Pioneer are now 70. Nice. Uh, So you can get some pretty good deals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that, that, like, rotation is generally the best time to buy into standard cards. And uh, also, in addition to to standard buy-ins, if a card isn't really playable or competitive in standard, then it's a good idea to wait, like, two to six weeks after the set is fully released. And if it's not seeing standard play and you want it for a commander deck, that's a really good time to buy it, too, because that's probably the cheapest it's going to be. Uh, and I think the same metric can be applied to especially reprint sets, like back when we had Modern Masters, where um, I remember picking up um, the uh, some of the enemy fetch lands, and around like um, a month, th- those went up a little faster than I thought they would, but around a month I picked up some of them, and they were quite a bit cheaper than they had been in a number of years, obviously, because they, it was the first reprinting, the only reprinting they had had. But, uh, yeah, I think that a similar metric can be applied to reprint sets in terms of when to pick up cards. Yeah, reprint set hits. And uh, what I've noticed, because there's been quite a few reprint sets with the master sets recently. Mm-hmm. So what I've noticed is once a card gets spoiled, for example, let's use the fetch lands. Fetch lands get spoiled, the enemy fetches. Mm-hmm. And their prices dip to, in some cases, half or less than half. And then that's basically the bottom because yeah. everyone sells out at that point. And then 
from there, it's only going to start to creep back up in my experience. Yeah, yeah. What I've seen. That's exactly what happened back and, in 2017. Uh, Snapcaster Mage basically did the same thing. And Snapcaster Mage, that card is like ubiquitous in every format. Like, wants that card. Well, maybe not. Well, I think you play that card in Commander. I I'd play it in Popper if you, I could. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think it, you, it, <laughs> you can use it in Commander, but a lot of people don't like it in Commander. It's not as so. good in Commander. I, I think. It's still really good. It's, really good it's really, really good in Commander but still. Yeah. 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 Just, oh, extra turn. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh time stretch exactly. eh, what are you gonna do <laughs> like two mana to recast any spell yeah this is pretty it's good it is really good yeah. yeah so a lot of these things they'll dip a little bit and they'll bounce back and then uh yeah but i think snapcaster as well is starting to dip a little bit because of modern's popularity starting to wane but i think people will come back to modern i think uh pioneer is just a fad a little I bit. I shouldn't say just well, bad. It's, no, it's it, no bad. Hot a bit. take. Hot take. <laughs> yeah, that is a hot take. But uh, it definitely has a like high popularity right now, just because it's new. Of course. Oh, straight yeah. up. Yes. It's, it's of course. It's really popular now. It's a new format. Everyone's like, even myself. Like I'm having fun brewing decks and stuff in Pioneer because it's a new format. It's something just like brand new that I can play around with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was enjoying it. Uh, I haven't gone out to actually play the store yet, but uh, so I'm gonna hold my my true judgment until I've actually played it a bit in the meta, but I, I watched it a couple days. Uh, I watched it online, and I was at a store while I was doing a draft. I was watching some games, and there's a lot of blue-white control in our meta here. And <sighs> I just, I look at that deck online, and I'm like, I just think blue-white control is too good at Pioneer. And, uh... Well, maybe yeah. some bands are in order. I, yeah. I also agree with that point, just from, like, playing a little bit of Pioneer and, like, seeing it played. Like, that deck is really strong. Mm -hmm. for yeah. the whole format that's yeah. the buzz yeah but uh, yeah so, but I, I do think that format staples as a whole so uh, fetch lands snapcaster mage liana the veil tarmogoyf things like this are always gonna kind of hold their value but uh, tarmogoyf for example has been reprinted to oblivion I would say that card got hit like six five times I think because there was like uh, modern masters 15 17 did it get reprinted in ultimate yep ultimate. it's got new art in ultimate yeah, new art and ultimate. So was that three times? Three times, I guess. Three. They got three reprints. And so the original one from and the original one. So it's been printed for like four times now. So it went from two hundred dollars when I started playing about five years ago to now being worth about sixty or seventy dollars Canadian. They should have reprinted it in Masters twenty five. No, it's too good of a card for that format. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ouch. <laughs> oof. Have you seen that meme where it's like the 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 it's like an oof? Uh, meter and it's like you know it's like how you feel when someone uh i don't know like turn one soul rings that's that's a good and it's like the oof meter and it's like high and it's like that old guy with the mustache and he's like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't guys haven't seen that no 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 it's a good meme it's going around it's hot, that's <clears throat> a hot new meme. yeah and that's uh, yeah i totally agree with the uh format staples and you know it, it's sort of tricky right because like we talk about fetch lands and it, it's almost like those can't exist in Pioneer because if they printed functional reprints into a new standard set for the fetch lands, what does that do to modern, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, so you I, printed a new fetch land, but you have to take two damage for it. I don't think... I, what I... My uh, speculation is that... Death well, Shadow. I've heard... <laughs> well, I saw on one of... Um, Mark Rosewater's uh, 
he has like a blogotog thing where he takes questions from people. It's just a blog, but he yeah, that's what he calls Call, it. Yeah. Anyway. It's yeah, it's a funny, it's a joke. Because yeah. the otogatog. Uh, right, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, got him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on his blog, he has a QA. So one of the QAs was uh, someone was asking like if they're ever gonna do like a functional reprint of Fetchlands, and he said they want to do one where there's no fe- no shuffling involved. So I think that the next uh, Zendikar set we see is going to have these lands in it. That's my speculation. A fetch land with no shuffle? So you search, but yeah. you don't shuffle? I don't know how it works, but apparently... The, or I'm wondering if it's like you look at the top, like, ten maybe, and then you randomly put them on the bottom. So it's just like a quick cha-cha-cha bottom. Okay. All right. Who, who knows? We don't know what, it, what it's going to be. I was thinking maybe it's, like, some kind of uh, land where you maybe you play it and you, like, name a color pair or something but that seems too broken or maybe it's like you get to choose one of like two or three color pairs so right reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land yeah i mean i'm no game designer but that's kind of what i'm thinking but i also think that uh stoneforge mystic might get reprinted in the new zendikar do you, what do you think about that in pioneer didn't get too powerful for pioneer the the uh the swords aren't in pioneer well what can they what can it what can she get well exactly seems pretty fair to me yeah, well, I just don't know. Well, I you mean, get the the shadow spear. I think is probably like one of the best things you can get. And it just it goes to your hand. The search, right? Puts it to yeah. your hand, and then she has the ability. I think it's paid two and a white. One and a white. More one and a white. white. Two then. Put yeah, it on to the, put the, it onto the, the battlefield. battlefield. But then the search is two and a white. Well, I think it equips two when it goes on the battlefield, doesn't it? Or is it just put it on the battlefield? I think it's put it on the battlefield. Right, because that's why you want batter. You want batter skull because batter skull just puts it, you put it on the battlefield. It becomes a five five. Because it gives you the germ. I've right. never pl- I've never played with the card. Me neither. Stone but anyway, I, I do think Stoneforge Mystic, Stoneforge Mystic will get reprinted in uh, the next Endicar set. Yeah. Hey, we're also getting two uh, more Commander decks. You put an equipment card from your hand on the battlefield. It doesn't yeah. equip. Doesn't equip. That's the ETB. You put an equipment card from your hand on the battlefield. That's the tap. Like the you pay one and a white to tap. But when ETB, you, uh, you, you search, put your, you put it in your hand. Yeah. Okay. Because then you can put it for free on the battlefield. So it's like Shadow Spear only costs. Yeah, you're losing mana on that one. No, Shadow Spear doesn't cost one. No, the activated ability is one. Are you sure? Something costs two on it. Because I was two, playing with that two card. To, uh, it's two to equip. I think it's two it, to it's equip. Like one, yeah, one to one play. Because I remember not liking it for the two equip. I thought it should be one equip. So yeah, I don't <laughs> know if there's any real broken equipment, but I, I, don't know, I think it could be fair. But it needs a reprint because it's it's getting up there. I think. Well, it could definitely work with that. Uh, like the Colossus Hammer deck now has a reliable way to fish out the Colossus Hammer, Cigar's Aid. Yeah, boom. boom. Swinging oh, yeah. with that 10 That's fun. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cigar's Aid spiked up. It's like a $10 card now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm glad I put that Boros Hammer together deck before I uh, before Pioneer was announced. Yeah, there you go. Oof. All right, well, um, I think that's everything I wanted to talk about in terms of MTG Finance. What about yeah. what, what about you guys? Yeah, I'm about... Uh, um, just a little bit more about, like, product fatigue. Yeah. And yeah. how much, like, they're releasing. Because I think also, so for us, like, Commander players, we had Commander 2019 in August, and now mm-hmm. we're having these four Commander decks. Is, is it five? It's, it's five. five. It's five, dog. Five decks coming out this April. I already pre-ordered them. And then after that, <laughs> every single set release has two commander decks with it. Well, oh, wow. not not every. I mean, we have Zendikar. The core set's not getting a commander set with it. So we have Zendikar in 
uh, like which has the two which has the two Zendikar commander decks. Yeah, and then we will have like core twenty twenty one, and then Commander Legends is getting the two commander decks. Commander decks. So right. like the core sets in the summer, and then the Commander Legends is in like December, I think. But oh, wow. it's still like compared to getting like four or five decks per year, we're now getting nine decks in a year, which mm-hmm. is almost twice the amount of product. Well, it's exactly what we talked about with um, uh, Secret Layers, right? Yeah. They, they see something that works, and then they execute it terribly. Because they, they've seen that, like, Commander is, like, the most popular format now that's played, right? Like, that was a thing they said? The most popular paper format? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like, uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer, but it's sort of like... A, a cow, right? You can, if you, if you butcher a cow, you've got meat for, I don't know, a few months, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But if you, if it's a female cow and you milk the cow, you can get milk for like six to eight years. Yeah. Right. But wizards, it just, just butchers the cow every time. <laughs> they don't think about the long term milk. For, they never go for milking. No, they, they never butcher. milk the cow. They just <laughs> murder it. <laughs> yeah, but you, someone could say that they, all they really do is just milk the cow. Oh, of course. If we're talking, if, if the, if the, if the, if the cow is our wallet. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's constantly being milked. Of course. <laughs> But, it, you know, it's just, I guess it's just, like, disappointing over and over again when when they when they do this. But we keep buying the product, yeah. so, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, you could look at, like, you could look at the expeditions. Like, the, the expeditions, I think, were pretty cool. Some people didn't like them. Some people didn't like the border, I would say. And then they had the masterpieces, which were a little bit stepped up, but still, like, pretty cool. And oh, then beautiful. they kind of just yeah. butchered it with the uh, invocations kind of ruined it and then they just axed it all together yeah so but I, I hope we go back to an invocation or sorry not invocation a lottery card yeah I miss the expeditions the expeditions mm-hmm. were gorgeous in my opinion yeah I and think it, so too I really like masterpieces as well like I liked those two masterpieces were cool I think they could, yeah no I wouldn't say they, they were fine yeah yeah and I think that's what they've tried to uh, replicate with the collector's boosters or even like but the, it's oversaturation yeah and like they had the uh, going back to like the different borders and stuff they now have the showcase cards so yeah like, look at like the cool like the border. box topper or the, but in Eldraine they had yeah yeah and it would have been I mean what they could have done is they could have just not done the collector booster and just had the showcase cards be the expeditions like and have them foiled I mean that yeah be, right because like that i think that is the middle ground because that lowers the price of standard lowers the barrier to entry but there are still these chase cards and if you don't want to open packs and you just want to buy those chase cards because you have the money you can do that yeah yeah, yeah like they're like they're basically they're, there should be an affordable version to play with and then there should be like these blinged out versions that you can play with totally agree yeah totally which I think was probably what they intended, which what Richard Garfield intended in the first place with the whole black border, white border thing. So you have the black border, which is the original, and then every other reprint after that is going to have the white border. I think unless they change the art, then they then they got a black border again. I think, but but it like kind of devalues the the reprints and it makes mm-hmm. the originals desirable. Makes it that I think was the collectible aspect of it. 
Well, <laughs> Richard Garfield's would be spinning in his grave because I love whiteboard cards. Well, not that he's and he's not. I know yeah, he's, not he's, say, he's not I know dead. He's not so. dead. <laughs> get, get out of here. <laughs> but I do. I do genuinely. I do really like whiteboard cards. Yeah. I love whiteboard cards when they're like still white because they can kind of turn yellow. But yeah. if they're still white, ooh, when they're crisp, like it just it just makes the whole thing pop. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I love no. it. I love it. No, maybe uh, <laughs> you should whiteboard your shroud deck then. Why do all the it, frames in your place have black frames? Why just <laughs> white frames? Uh, some of them do. Some of them do have white frames, but white frames don't get as much love. Um, well, I think uh, I feel pretty good about this this MGG finance discussion. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good discussion. All right, well, we are going to wrap it up. We're going to bring this episode to a close. And, uh, Rylan, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it was, a lot, of, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you can go ahead um, and let us know how you feel about anything we talked about today, uh, MTG Finance. Do, do you love it? Do you hate it? Are you indifferent? Do you wish all cards would just be a dollar a piece so you can play whatever you want? Please no. Do you? <laughs> no, you don't. I don't. Well, think, playing, come playing on. whatever you want. You can proxy decks up. You can proxy and play with your friends. That's fine. But yeah. and that is actually a really good. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that is actually a really good way to learn a meta. Yeah. Is doing that and yeah. playing against those decks. Also, I would say on a, on a final note, like if you're getting into a format, yeah, proxying up decks and playing up, playing with them is the best way to kind of figure out what you want to do. Don't just dive in and buy Jund, spend two grand, and find out, oh, I'd rather play Control. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. a feel bad. But that's what, when we were first getting into uh, Modern, we had, like, I think eight or nine proxy decks that we yeah. just played against each other with to yeah. find out what we liked. Yeah, you guys are pros. I didn't do that. I was like, uh, I think I'm going to, like, Tron. But hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was right. I got yeah. lucky on that one, but... Anyways. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's a good meta choice, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah I just like the big stuff, um, but uh, you know we want to thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Turn One Soaring the Podcast, as well as all the podcast platforms, including YouTube for you YouTube listeners. Um, you can go check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Turn One Soaring. We've been putting out uh, an MTG lore series if you're into that kind of thing. So we. Kevin has read the books, and then I'm kind of here to add uh, the outside perspective on like what's going on with the story. Yeah, you're the Eric's the surrogate audience. Yeah, so <laughs> you can relate to him on this one. Yeah, and I'm in the process of reading the uh, some of the books. We're doing the the Urza story right now, so that that's been a lot of fun, quite honestly. It is quite interesting though. So if you do like lore and stuff like that, go check it out. Uh, they're really interesting episodes, and then we pepper in a little. Uh, a different one here and there as well, so we may have some yeah. stuff to talk about. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, also, we already mentioned this, but remember to enter our February giveaway on our Instagram page. We're giving away a Theros Beyond Death collector's booster, and a uh, we're giving away all five allied foil signets. They're proxies, but they're great in any tabletop commander decks that you're going to play, any casual type of decks. And we appreciate each and every one of you. Yeah, this is it. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye now. Rylan, do you want to say bye? Thanks for having me on, guys. Bye, everyone. Turn one, soaring.